It's Morbid Time! Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, the film podcast that takes a look at the funny uncle at Thanksgiving and wonders if it was right to invite him after all. Um, all of that is obviously in a cinema sense, by the way, as in we're assessing the merits of something weird and offbeat in the world of movies to see whether it's actually got merit. There you go. The joke's not good if you have to explain it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. This, is the, this is the worry with that one. Punchy. <laughs> To be fair to you, this is episode 87, and each and every one has been completely original and different from last, so <laughs> impressive. Oh, so you can forgive me a little... <laughs> that is a misstep tonight. No, you know. not at all. What, why am I not doing rap records anymore? Oh yeah, the vocoder. <laughs> yeah, we do need that bringing back, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe for episode 100 we'll come off the bench with an absolute two-step banger. Uh, well, at this rate, that's going to be in about five years, episode <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very true. Very true. What, 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 what is new with you both, and what have you both been watching? Uh, well, I've just uh, got back off holiday, uh, so I hadn't been to the cinema for a couple of weeks until last night when I treated myself to a double bill and was fortunate enough to see two of my favourite films of the year so far. So let's uh, start with the opening act, and I'm really glad that I did these films in this order. Essentially, the other, <laughs> the other way around would have been... Would have been horrendous. <laughs> so Alex Garland has a new film out called Men, which the title of which has sort of been ruined by Hacker the Dog from CBeebies. Have you seen that viral clip during the rounds? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, we're just men. We're, we're just, just innocent men. We're just normal men. We're just innocent men. So that's all I was thinking about through this really quite fucked up movie. So... Uh... <laughs> So uh, essentially the set up for this uh, film, uh, a young woman played by Jessie Buckley, who for me is like the best actress working at the moment. She goes on a solo holiday to the English countryside following a personal tragedy for some much needed R&R. All seems fine, apart from the fact that the sleepy village is populated solely by men who are all played by Rory Kinnear, who looks like he fell through the wardrobe department at the fast show, but he just about gets away with it. <laughs> so, like, it's unnerving, unrelenting, and completely uncompromising in terms of both its artistic ambitions and its scathing exploration of toxic masculinity. The film is sort of part psychological horror, part religious allegory, and 100% Alex Garland. It gets weird, guys. The performances are great, as are the visuals. It's not really plot-driven, but it has this oppressive atmosphere of impending doom with a good line in symbolic ambiguity, and it builds to this like bold, jaw-dropping, and truly bonkers body horror tour de force that has to be seen to be believed. Uh, someone did walk out in, during the last... It was only like 10 minutes of the movie. Like. I think it will prove to be quite a polarising film, but I dug it. It's perhaps thematically a little too on the nose to truly reach the sort of lofty heights of Ex Machina or Annihilation. But nonetheless, it's another thought-provoking entry into what is fast becoming a stellar filmography for Alex Garland. And yeah, you know, original storytelling, you've got to go and support it when it's on in the cinema. In the midst of, you know, the summer blockbuster season, it basically got a two-week run and last night was the last chance I'd have to go and catch it, so I would recommend it, but yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a tough sit, to be honest. <laughs> it's a, nice one. There's a lot going on. It just It's quite uncomfortable, but you know, it's just... 
you know when it's clear that a guy's had no notes at all on it and he's just been allowed to do whatever the hell he wants and yeah that's what's going on here and i think he's one of the sort of best and most interesting sort of author new authors who've emerged over the last 10 years you know he started as a novelist and no then writing screenplays for Danny Boyle, and now he's like a writer and director in his in his own right. It's incredible. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. And no, I, I loved his um, book career. I thought his books were outstanding. He only really wrote the two novels, though, didn't he? Like, um, yeah, really the beach them. and the tesseract. And then he was like, oh, I quite like movies. And he's written video games as well yeah. and comic yeah, books. He did that and journey to the the west. He did, didn't yeah. He, I think and a load of yeah. Devil May Cry. Uh, video games as well. Oh, did he? Yeah, apparently, according to IMDb, because wow. they're all listed on there for some reason. Did he write Sunshine as well? He did. Yeah, that's his. Yeah, yeah. I, I love, I love, I've loved the sound of this movie right from the beginning. Yeah, um, and I, I really want to see it. Um, the only problem I have is that the title Men makes me think of that Michael Jackson song did about his rat called Ben. <laughs> And it makes me feel like, like men, like, like men. <laughs> well, it, as I say, it could be worse. It could have been ruined by a CBeebies puppet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to, which do I watch first? Though? Which is the correct viewing order, the meme or the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Probably the movie first, if you don't want to be reminded of a dog with a wig and accent <laughs> throughout the entire thing. <sighs> But it was a double bill, wasn't it, James? What did you follow it on with? It was, yeah. So, as I say, yeah, you know, quite an intense movie to start things off with. And then there was a, it was followed by another intense movie, but in just such a different way. So I went to see Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> now, yes. <laughs> let me just say this. A legacy sequel to 1986's iconic cheese fest, Top Gun, has absolutely no business being this bloody good. And yet, here we are. Tom Cruise is here to save blockbuster cinema, and I am absolutely here for it. The film, honestly, is the most exhilarating cinematic experience I've had since Tom Cruise put Mission Impossible Fallout out in 2018. And for me, it's the best mainstream action film released since Mad Max Fury Road. It's my film of the year so far, and I'm going again with my wife later this week. I cannot wait to see it again it just absolutely knocked my socks off i know you've seen it as well simon yes i i went to see it um a couple of weeks ago and i've just been desperate to get your thoughts on it and i was like have you seen it yet have you seen it? I was like, i'm going on holiday leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> um now i i uh, just exactly the same i absolutely loved it i went on my own on a sunday morning and sat front row center and just <laughs> just watched the it, um just engulfed in this amazing amazing film and i just had a smile on my face from start to finish like and it's just edited so well eddie hamilton yeah. was the editor and he's what a just job. done such an amazing job like every single sequence is just cut with such precision and i know i always sort of say that thing where um that old adage of good editing is is the editing you don't notice but you do notice how good this is like you you just it, it's it's just every single person involved in this film just is just had the right mentality going into it and didn't it take itself too seriously and it's steers away from a political slant because it could easily have a political slant as well like much like the 80s original where the bad guys weren't ever given a 
nationality or that you couldn't you didn't you know the, the country where they were flying over wasn't ever mentioned and i think that's good and i think that's part of the reason why this is a, is a success because it is pure escapism and while the original was like accused of being a propaganda piece for the navy this is just classic blockbuster cinema having fun from start to finish and it's just a perfect movie in my opinion it's absolutely amazing yeah. it's got heart as well it's got bags of heart like, wow like i was honestly I, I don't believe in shouting out and applauding during cinema but i had to keep like my arms folded because <laughs> there was so many times when just something awesome happened i just wanted to punch the air and shout movies <laughs> <laughs> it was just spectacular wasn't it like all the the way they've shot it in the in the planes, and I believe they had like all the actors in the back seat, and they yeah. were piloted by proper pros, and they had the proper planes, and and ever and it, 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 you just feel every single twist and turn of those planes, and the the sound is incredible. It's just it it's a great movie, and there's that shot I think you see it on the trailer where um it's like a recreation of the eighties one where uh, Tom Cruise is just riding alongside a plane on his motorbike, just yeah. grinning gear to ear. And it's like, yeah, that's why I was like watching this film the whole way through. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, just brilliant. And uh, yeah, I think what sets this one apart, for why it's such a step, I mean, you know, I love Tony Scott. First Top Gun is fine. It looks great. And Tom Cruise is really good in it. But what sets this one apart is the stakes. There's a clear objective and a clear mm. mission set up within the first 15 minutes of this movie. And uh, Christopher McQuarrie has a producer credit on it and a screenwriting credit as well. So it does become a little bit of a Mission Impossible sort of setup, but unbelievable. You know, those those are some of the best blockbusters being made as well at the moment. And it just works. It's got real high stakes. Just loved it. Thought it was great. It was the re- it's what everything that, like Simon said, it's everything that a summer blockbuster should be and it all feels so practical as well i'm sure there's loads of hidden cgi that i'm not spotting and green screen and whatnot but it feels practical and it looks practical and it's just so much better for it Mm. tom cruise saving movies yeah it's a summer (laughs) blockbuster we haven't had for years because it's just been hijacked by marvel for the last 10 years and um even though you know they stagger their releases across the year it's not necessarily summer but yeah, and it, it it's just that old school way of blockbuster filmmaking and it's done so well and it just crossed 700 million in the worldwide box office. It's Tom Cruise's biggest domestic success, isn't it? Um, which is very surprising, actually. I really hope it crosses a billion and just proves that A, cinemas should, you know, cinemas need to exist to play movies like this. And yeah, I'm so glad people have got out and gone to watch it and yeah it's it's, it's amazing awesome can't wait to see oh, it again awesome. I, I will be going this is one i will be going to see actually i will do i, will I went home on the weekend and uh said to my mum and dad i was like uh you have to see top gun and my dad was like oh i'm not watching that rubbish no 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 you have to go and watch it like you just absolutely have to it's a it's non-negotiable get out and go watch it it feels like an event movie from the 90s. You know, like how we've sort of talked about um, on the last episode when we were talking about Armageddon. It feels like a cultural moment where, you know, I know it's a legacy sequel, it's IP and whatnot, so it's not a completely original 
proposition, but it feels like that because of the way that it's made. Because we don't get blockbusters like this anymore. Yeah, we really don't. The magic of cinema. Tom Cruise, fucking love him. <laughs> little lunatic. <laughs> he is a maniac. He is an absolute maniac. Love it. it love it. Love it. Um, I can't remember where we were. Whose go it was. We. It's just been a a maverick loving for a few minutes. Uh, James, had you finished all your picks? I had. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Si, what else aside from Maverick? What yeah. else have you been uh, enjoying? I finally uh, caught up with the Green Knight which was a film I was like really looking forward to. And I think I mentioned it. I think it was it wasn't even you the did, last yeah. New Year one. It was like <laughs> the one did. before because it was all the COVID delays and it bypassed a cinematic release and went straight to VOD. And I think for that reason, I just, I just let it pass me by because I, I just don't get as jazzed for those films at home because it's just a different... I, I need to watch a film like that in cinema. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I sat down and watched it and... I found it to be a really engrossing and really poetic film, actually. Like, while admittedly isn't for everyone in terms of its like tone and delivery, because it's very sort of slow and uneventful, really. But it's for for me, it was a film that really confirmed David Lowry as one of the most visionary and versatile directors around at the moment. The fact that this guy can make uh, Peach Dragon, a ghost story, Old Man and the Gun, and this. Four completely different movies, all great in their own way in the space of, what, six years is just amazing, I think. So, yeah, it, it was really good. It was really good. It, it Very much an art house film with a decent budget, similar to The Northman, I suppose, in that respect. Very Shakespearean. Dev Patel's ace in it as the, as the lead guy and um, Finchie from The Office as the green Yeah, guy. incredible. Yeah, bloody good rep. Bloody good green knight. Yeah, he's, he's just like suddenly got the, he's just this niche guy who pops up in all these amazing movies. <laughs> just Finchy. I love careers like that. I'm, yeah. really, like, I'm rooting for him all the time. And the fact that we know him as Finchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, another film, because I've, I've watched quite a lot since we last spoke, actually. But um, I want, another one I wanted to mention, I, I watched, because um, I've had this steady obsession with kind of. Covid themed movies <laughs> steadily <laughs> since all this nonsense kicked <laughs> off, and I watched Outbreak for the first time. Oh, the Dustin Hoffman one. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> it's well good, isn't it? It's really good with this added, you know, Covid pandemic thing. It just adds another dimension to watching it. It's just like two hours of Dustin Hoffman in a hazmat suit angrily banging on tables because <laughs> no one's listening to him. <laughs> But I, I really enjoyed it because I'd never bothered watching it because I always thought it looked a bit crap. But it's actually really good. I proper loved it. I, um, I think what year did it come out? Because I, I think it's definitely a mid nineties one, that isn't it? Yeah, I think I saw it. Um, I'm not sure. Whether, no, I think I think I've got a feeling I saw it in the cinema, but maybe I didn't. I'm not sure. Um, but it was definitely right about the same time. When uh, you know, when I was fifteen, nineteen ninety-five, bang on, mid-nineties, right? So it will have been. I watched it when um, on home video because uh, there's no way me at twelve was getting into a fifteen. I looked like about four, so that's <laughs> <laughs> not happening. Um, but I, rem- I remember it terrifying me. Incredible, it, it was ter- cast. It's so real, yeah, and you know, really terrifying that movie. Just, just it was basically just yeah, a pandemic spreading because of some 
monkey was smuggled into the US and caused a big pandemic and then it went global and it, yeah it's really good um and there was another one as well uh, uh quickly um Chris Pine pre Star Trek uh was in a film called Carriers in 2009 yeah yeah and it's it was, good isn't it yeah it's really good yeah it's like a proper low budget one where everything's sort of gone and there's like a really small cast and it's just this really infectious airborne disease that just kills you in like less than a day yeah i'd never heard of it before and just caught it on netflix and it's was, it was like it's good mm-hmm. this like chris pine he's good he yeah good, he's a good yeah. presence isn't he in a movie yeah, i really he's good. like um pine um outstanding Outstanding stuff. I'm just looking at how many of the outbreak cast have been cancelled. It's quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of a career outbreak. Oh, oh also, Sai, if you um, uh, you mentioned the Northman a minute ago, and uh, I know you were a bit upset that it wasn't enough Nordic peen in that movie. <laughs> if you're on the uh, on the fence about seeing men. There is plenty of rural peen in this movie. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Country yeah. English peen. Yeah. <laughs> I did expect Specific. that, actually. I did, I did, I did expect that. Um, but I guess it's called men, so there's got to be some strong yeah. in there. <laughs> oh, what have you been cool. watching, Rob? Well, um, I've watched a couple of things. I actually went to the cinema with the whole family. Uh, took them out on a bumper treat. Uh, to the Trafford Centre, I let them get whatever they wanted from the food court beforehand, uh, which meant obviously five different people wanted five different things. <laughs> <laughs> so it took about an hour and a half for everyone to get food. And by the time I got mine, it was cold. Um, but don't worry about that. Um, yeah, you're bottom of the list, Dad. Sorry. You, you're, I know, yeah. yeah. No, I, know. <laughs> I, knew well, I knew what I was doing. Um, we went to watch uh, Live and Let Die at the cinema. So, you know, like um, all the, like Odeon and View, and I think a couple of the other chains are doing the old Bond movies. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, another one, one after the other, to celebrate 60 years of James Bond. And I asked the kids a few weeks ago, which one do you want to go and see? And they said, the one with the crocodiles. You know, when it runs across the crocodiles, that's what we want. So, made a big deal of it for them, and we went and watched it at 7.50. It's quite late to take yeah. you know, four year olds into the movies and stuff. Mm. And you could see people's faces when we walked in, like, Ugh. You know, we were the only kids in there. You know, um, and they sat good as gold for two hours. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. The movie was wonderful. It was just wonderful. Watching it, watching a, you know, 1970s, early 70s, 71, this, watching this movie up on the big screen. Oh, it's just gorgeous. Um, you know, seeing things you'd never seen before. As into like the textures of clothing and yeah. the lighting and seeing where the joins were in a movie that you love so much. It was like watching it for the first time again. What I can say as well, it was really great to look around the cinema and see so many smiling faces. People were having an absolute whale of a time watching it. So much laughter in the cinema. A really um, involved audience. Lots of like audience participation almost, you know. And um, it was great. That uh, absolute blast. When we left, a couple of people came up to us and said, "You know, oh, did you?" you this one person said, "Actually, your kids were very well behaved." I was like, "Oh, thank God!" But someone else said, "Isn't it nice to be able to come to watch James Bond at the cinema with your children?" And I said, "Yes, it is." Mm. And it made me, you know, on one hand, love the Bond movies more than ever before, possibly. Oh, he's gonna go have another go at Daniel Craig, Simon. The old ones, yeah. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> Honestly, I'm at a point now where you can't, even, you, you can't even talk to me about, about Craig's tenure now. Like, having seen that last week, 
how the desecration of this franchise has just destroyed me. I can't even talk about it. Um, so, yes, it was great. If you get the chance to go and see any of these Bond movies at the cinema, please go and do it. It's really, really good. Um, si, you went to see a Bond movie at the cinema, didn't you? I did, I did. Um, uh, it just so one, happened to be my favourite. Which, which one was it? Um, Licence to Kill. Was it Licence to Kill? Yeah, it was. Yes, it, it was, was yeah, yeah. Timothy Dalton's second one, where Bond goes rogue and uh, just goes on a revenge mission. Yeah, he boots M in the stomach and jumps off. God help you, Commander. Yeah. And he's, poof, poof, poof. yeah, man. So what did you think? I really loved it. I was very surprised how American it was, though. It was really American because um, mm. I always thought the Bond films were very British, but this one was particularly um, American. But uh, no, it was great, nonetheless. Absolutely Dolan's great, isn't he? He is. He's really, really good. He is, yeah. There's, there's, did you see the bit where he, he accidentally goes, like, reveals his northern roots, and he goes, yes, things were about to turn nasty. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice that, actually. <laughs> what a legend. No, but yeah, they, they, it was a, a screening at the Prince Charles Cinema in London, and um, the lovely guys from the Really 007 podcast came down to, to watch it. So it was great to meet up with those guys and have a beer, and um John Orty of uh, Behind the Stunts did a lovely um, chat with um, Paul we- Paul Weston. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the stunt coordinator of and he he it was a fascinating chat. He, he was just regaling for and he's worked on some insane movies. Like they did the Q and A and they were mainly talking about Bond movies. And then um, some guy just went, "Oh, I've just looked on your IMDb. You did Aliens. Tell us about that." And he was like, "He did the stunt coordination on Aliens, and he was telling no, us about how they filmed so all amazing. that and." It was fascinating, fascinating insight, and he was he was in good nick. And he, he had a good crack, and yeah, it was great. And um, I was just like jaw was on the floor in the pub talking to John Orty, though his um, knowledge of stunts is oh man, unreal. And he's a, yeah, he's a, he's a great interviewer. Sometimes I just <laughs> no, he's very, like good. Yeah, he's very good. A movie that I like, and and just say, so what do you know about this? And then it's like woof. Yeah, you know, like I think it was uh, last time I did it was the sixties version of Swiss Family Robinson. Can you tell me about this? And so much knowledge yeah. all over the place. Yeah, do check out the Behind the Stunts podcast, listeners. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um, the other movie I'd like to shout out, if possible, is Chippendale. Just oh, my God. So good. So yeah. good. Yeah. Really good. Really, really but good. Like, again, another film that has no business being that good. Yeah. It's absolutely hilarious. And it's that true something for the kids, something for the adults. Absolutely brilliant. Ticked everything for me. It was really, really funny. Yeah, I, I love the bit where they go in the cheese den slash opium den. <laughs> <laughs> yes. With all the like famous rats and mice from pop culture. Um, yeah, the, the Easter eggs, the nuggets. Um, spaghetti dogs is probably my favourite in Joe. Like little gag is oh, of all I, time. I mean, I that was, but yeah, just all those posters and what was it? Jasper the dead ghost kid. <laughs> <laughs> It's just really funny, but it, I mean, I love Andy Sandberg. Like he's he's just one yes. of those guys who can deliver an average joke but make it funny all in the delivery. And uh, it was just the opening when he's talking about Chip, and he goes, "If you heard the na- if you heard the word Chippendale, you'd first think of John Chippendale, famous furniture designer from the British seventeenth <laughs> century." <laughs> and then he goes, and then the second thing you think of is these guys, and then it was a picture of the Chippendales. <laughs> With those immense mullets Just flexing away. So funny. Uh, yeah, I was very... I mean, I'd heard good things about it, but uh, I was I was laughing out loud steadily yeah. throughout that movie. It was very, very good. Spaghetti I was unprepared dogs. for how good it was going to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really wasn't ready for it. Great to see Ugly Sonic in 
Oh god! In action as well. When you see him, the moment you see him, like, ah! you, you, how you did they do like... that? That's not even a Disney property. <laughs> how they got away with that? Oh, just so funny. And they like they they kept getting distracted by his human teeth. <laughs> <laughs> his promises that he's got his own FBI undercover show. <laughs> just it's. It, that, that's another one, James. You know where like the studio didn't seem to intervene very much. Just, no, hey, no. look, you can have the copyright to all our IP. You can have everything here. Absolutely. Um, and go bananas. It was very Roger Rabbit, though, because Roger Rabbit did the same because yes. you'd have a mix of Warner Brothers and yeah. Disney and Roger Rabbit. Didn't you, you, yeah. So. And you had uh, Roger Rabbit in the movie. <laughs> and Roger Rabbit was in the movie. I, yeah. I, yeah, I thought it was um, yeah a, lo- a lovely companion piece to Roger Rabbit. I thought he was as good as Roger Rabbit. Oh, it was, uh, yeah. The animation was brilliant. Unbelievable, wasn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. So and really, I think there was some set work as well. You know, because there were some small places as well. You know, that the Chip Chip and that the Chippendales lived in. Sorry, that the Chippendale <laughs> lived in. It was. Uh, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, but the right. the last thing I want to talk about. I'm so sorry. We're in a bit of a state of mourning here, because I think that sadly, I'm worried that we're so close to the end of season three of Expedition Bigfoot that I think that. I think it's it's gone a bit unrealistic. <laughs> they, I'm I'm worrying that it's jumped the shark. Um, so yeah, they started talking about lights in the sky. Like no, 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 no. The reason I love this show is because it all came came to it from a science point of view, and they were following this, you know, following this heat trace. And they were in the woods following this heat trace. Like, oh, yeah, we're getting really close. It's right around this ridge. It's right around this bend. And they went around the bend and there was a bear. And they were like, oh, my God, it's a bear. And the, the guy went like, you know, he, he obviously shapeshifted. I'm like, no, no, don't do this to me, please. I've invested so much time. in this. Don't do this to me now. Is this the week? The weekly update to uh, Operation Bigfoot, or whatever it's called. Destination Operation Bigfoot. Big What's it called? Expedition Bigfoot. Big <laughs> I don't know what it's Big called. A lot of Simon just completely zoned out there and just started doing his emails. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now they're saying, like, you know, now I'm worried that, you know, um, we're going to have a look at the at the uh, Bigfoot's powers of telekinesis. Uh, but, hey, no, don't. Please don't. Just go try and find him. Please don't do this. And so... <laughs> I'm almost at a point where I can't watch the last two episodes. Uh, Obviously, I will be there. You know. Yeah, but they'll <laughs> they'll find it. They've got to find him yet. So you've got to keep going. Well, apparently, until they no, find they him. did find some some fur, some amazing evidence that's never been. Found. <laughs> you know, Have they not found any poop yet? Does it? Surely he poops in the woods. No, so, no, so because he buries his poop. Apparently, that's convenient. Um, and and bodies, <laughs> they eat their own bodies and and bury them in lakes and stuff, <laughs> so that they can never be found. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. The season finale is, I think, in two weeks' time. And um, although on the on the online they're saying, did anyone, you know, the American audience are like, don't miss America, you know, Expedition Bigfoot tomorrow night, you know, because they've seen it already and they know something good is coming. Hope so. Hope it's evidence of Big Brown Machine. They're in. They're in cahoots with him. They're, 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 it's to make you watch it. <laughs> uh, but, yes, this is true. In fact, that does remind me. I did watch. Um. Someone told me that. Um. A Flash of Beauty is this program on um it's a documentary on um documentary on uh, <laughs> on uh, Amazon and I, I I thought like oh my word 499 
bingo. It says at the end includes the most amazing conclusive proof there's ever been. So I was like, bingo, let's get that. So I watched it and it was a really sensitive, nice documentary. Some amazing stories, lovely, like incredibly lush photography. And then they took to the air at the end and they got two pictures and they are two of the worst photographs I've ever seen of a man in a suit on a hillside. <laughs> After I've all ne- that. I've, honestly, I've never felt more... More duped in my whole life, <laughs> and he's looking up at the up at the thing. You're like, Aah! you know, with a very like it, it's it's such a cheap suit as well. It's it's awful. I'm, I've almost I've almost had enough. Honestly, it's been a bad week for Bigfoot fans everywhere. <laughs> I mean, that, anyway, that, pic- <laughs> that picture of the chupacabra was good though. I mean, that, that was, was really good. That was yeah, good. that was really really. It's another one um, to uh, let's make a series I on think that. I'm, I'm going to have to move on to chupacabra now. I think actually, <laughs> or, or move on to Expedition X with um, that dude and uh, the brilliantly named Jessica Chobart. Yeah, that's um, good. That one. Yeah, that, that that's good, and that's got more variety. It's just no big brown machine with any regularity. Still our bullshit, though. <laughs> well, yes, this is the sadness. <laughs> Don't worry. We will... Next week, honestly, the hair samples are coming back next week. We'll find out exactly what... Yeah. Anyway. I love that this might be somebody's first episode of our podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh, hope you're enjoying it. Do come back, I promise. You know... Expedition Bigfoot's nearly over. We won't have to talk about it again. Came for the title movie and half an hour later, they, they mentioned Tom Cruise for a bit, tiny bit and it wasn't even in the film we <laughs> uh, Right, so speaking of Tom Cruise, James, it was your pick and you picked Tom Cruise movie. I did, I did. Would you like to lead us in? I, I will. Would you like a logline? Yes, please. I flipping love one. Okay, so a glorified repairman pootles around a decimated post-apocalyptic New York in a variety of vehicles seemingly made from Playmobil (laughs) and through a confluence of chance encounters and highly derivative references to other sci-fi films begins to question what he knows about himself, the world and his mission. The film is 2013's Oblivion. Could have done with that logline like 15 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) The last Super Bowl was played right here. Jason, tell me it was a classic. Classic game. 80,000 people on their feet. Seconds left on the clock. So Hubie throws a Hail Mary. Touchdown! 166, back online. 60 years ago, Earth was attacked. We won the war, but they destroyed half the planet. Everyone's been evacuated. Nothing human remains. We're here for drone repair with a mop-up crew. This is Jack Harper. I'm good to go. Two more weeks, Jack. Then we can finally leave and join the others. Don't take any chances. Human. 
This is ordering you to return to tower. Jack. How do you know my name? They're firing on survivors. Stand there! What have you done? I can't protect you. They won't stop till they find me. If you're looking for the truth, that's where you'll find it. You need to know what happened. What aren't you telling me? Who are you? Jack is ordering you to stand down. I'm not gonna do that. This is the only way. So, James, Oblivion. <laughs> I got a little sidetracked there by thinking about what if you put the stress in the wrong place linguistically and, and Oblivion doesn't work. Um, so get get that, get that out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I realised my flow was messed up. James, Oblivion. <laughs> you know you don't have to express every thought that comes into you. <laughs> I know, I know. There has to be a filter at some point here. I told you we were giddy tonight. Uh, James, Oblivion. Tell me more. Okay, so um, so the reason that I've sort of picked this, so, you know, actual organisation on the podcast for once. So timing was an issue. So obviously uh, Tom Cruise and Joseph Kaczynski have the biggest movie on the planet currently. And Kaczynski, amazingly, has a new film arriving on Netflix on Friday. Um, so he's very much the director of the moment. But, the you know, the the real reason why I bring this to the pod, and, you know, this is the sort of... This is our bread and butter in terms of what we like to discuss. I saw this film at the cinema when it came out, and I thought it was brilliant. I had a great time with it. Mm. Now, it's not without its flaws, but it's a truly ambitious, great-looking sci-fi action film that seemed destined to be a real crowd-pleaser, but it elicited nothing but a shrug when it came out, and nobody talks about it. Nobody references it in terms of... You know, it's less than 10 years old, this film, and nobody talks about it as part of Tom Cruise's last decade or anything like that. Nobody cares about it. And until recently, nobody was talking about Joseph Kaczynski, who we've had on the pod before when we talked about Tron Legacy. That was one of our very first episodes, I think. Mm. And I think until, you know, the last two weeks, he's been a, a sorely underrated big budget director so i think it was good a good time to dust this one off and and bring it to the podcast super stuff um si what about your relationship with oblivion yeah pretty similar like i you know being a fan of um, a massive fan of tron legacy as you guys know um and also tom cruise i've, I've just always liked tom cruise i was just so intrigued by this sprawling post-apocalyptic sci-fi by kaczynski and, I don't think I went to the cinema to watch it, but I've seen it a few times on rental and streaming and always thought it was just massively underappreciated, like a lot of sci-fi is, you know, when when it first comes out. And I don't know whether it's failure was down to like a sci-fi fatigue. I think After Earth came out at a similar time. Maybe it was that period where people were fed up of Tom Cruise. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I just didn't, I have no idea why it failed. Um, but either way, I, I've always liked this film. Um, yeah, will always have a any excuse to watch it again. I, I think it's great. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I might be 
the exact kind of person that looked past it yeah. because I'd never seen it before. Um, seen saw it, it advertised, thought, it looked, yeah, it looks kind of smart. But there's so much other stuff in this slick blockbuster scape with shiny surfaces and stuff whizzing about at the time that I just didn't have the time for it, yeah. really. I, I really don't know why. Um, aside from the fact that there's loads of block, as we know with me talking about this every week, there's loads of stuff that comes and goes from the cinema and I'd always like to see it and I never get the chance to or yeah. whatever, you know. I mean, I love the fact that every week you guys are actually have to pick what you... You know, you have to pick from all the stuff that you've watched. I have to pick from, you know, I have to scrape the barrel, <laughs> like literally to try and find one movie I've seen in the two, in the however many weeks we've seen each other. So, um, yeah, it just totally passed me by, but I'd always kind of fancied watching it. So I was actually really looking forward to it. But qualification is the big question, isn't it? James, is it via the numbers? I don't think it is technically. So this situation, so in, in North America, the film earned... Uh, 37.1 million on its opening weekend, which is pretty strong, including 5.5 million from IMAX screenings in 323 theatres. So this is when, like, really pushing IMAX at that time around, you know, it's after, it's a post-Avatar, isn't it? But it's, uh, remember when The Dark Knight Rises came out and they're making such a big deal about that being in IMAX and now everything is, it was still seen as a bit of a gimmick back in the early 210s, I think. Mm. So that take on that opening weekend made it uh, Tom Cruise's best North American opening after the Mission Impossible film series and War of the Worlds. So it started really strong. The film closed on June 27th, 2013, and it grossed $89.1 million in the US and $198.8 million internationally, bringing the worldwide total to 287.9 million against a production budget of 120 million. So when you factor in the marketing costs, it's probably another 100 at least on top of that. It's profitable, but maybe they were hoping it would do like four to 500. So maybe a bit of a disappointment, certainly Mm. not enough. Do you think, I know we'll get into it when we talk about the film itself, but do you think this was intended to be the start of a series? Potentially, possibly, yeah. I mean, it works as a standalone, but it feels like there was the amount of world building that goes on in this film. Yes, surely there was a plan to then, like, this is the one where we have to do all the place setting, and then in the second one we can don't do, yeah, possibly do more. I think with a film of that budget and with a star like Tom Cruise, there's always going to be one eye on potential sequels. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's pretty much all he's done for the last 10 years is just make franchise starters, isn't it? Jack Reacher, um, uh, Live, Die, Repeat, or whatever the hell it's called these days. is There's supposed to be a sequel to that one coming. Obviously, now he's just done Top Gun and he's done three Mission Impossible sequels. So he's very much become a franchise movie star now at this stage, hasn't he? Yeah. The Mummy was supposed to be the start of a franchise. Exactly, it, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. Obviously, that didn't pan out as they'd hoped. But yeah, definitely. I wouldn't be surprised if they were did have one eye on making this a, a bigger... Th- 120 million is a lot to invest it for a standalone it, yeah. movie, isn't it? And I think when you've got a world with all that amazing ace production design, it would be a shame not to revisit it. Yeah. Because you've done all the hard work, really. Yeah, you? exactly. You've built yeah. this thing, you know, and you're just layering on top after that. Point. So I'd say it was profitable, but it wasn't impressive enough for them to then look to expand this story any further. Interesting. 
So, Sai, what about um, the critics? How did they take to it? Well, I mean, as you know, like the majority of films we cover are films that have been received somewhat negatively by the critics. But looking into the reviews on this when it came out, I'm so surprised at the broad lack of enthusiasm for this film. It's mainly two-star reviews. Currently sits at 53% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 54 on Metacritic. Not that many critics were that into it. A lot of them were bemoaning the narrative. David Sexton of the Evening Standard called it derivative and predictable, with Anthony Quinn of The Independent saying it was portentous, sluggish and fatally ungripping. There was a bizarre half-a-star review from a guy called Callum Marsh in Slant Magazine who said it was absent of self-awareness, seeming only self-serious and a ponderous mess, both misguided and unaware. Which is massively harsh. <laughs> um, there, there were some like glimmers of, of positivity, though. Like Andrew O'Hare of Salon said, Oblivion is a technical triumph demonstrating how beautifully digital effects can be blended with real people and real sets, further demonstrating that neither Tom Cruise nor the 1970s will ever die, and announcing the unexpected arrival of a major science fiction director in Joseph Kaczynski. And Kenneth Turn of the LA Times, who I think we usually bring in when he's had some really scathing review of a particular film, he actually liked this one and said it was more adventurous than your typical Hollywood tentpole Oblivion makes you remember why science fiction movies pulled you in way back when and didn't let go. So there were a few critics who liked it, but on the whole, they were just not impressed at all. And it seems to be one of those movies where, and I find a lot of critics do this actually, where they put a precedence over narrative and ignore all the technical goodness of something. They just completely ignore that while they're doing their little review, while they're doing their sort of ratings on it. But yeah, very weird. Very, very negative reviews. Um, Audience-wise, the scores are a little higher with 61% on Rotten Tomatoes um, and a 7.1 on Metacritic. So yeah, a lot better on there. Um, a rather predictable 3.1 on Letterboxd. Uh, but we've decided that's good, haven't we? If it's over three, yeah? That's yeah, good, yeah. yeah. Anything over 2.9 yeah, yeah. is good. But yeah, loads of people loving it over there, particularly from more recent viewings. Many people calling it underrated. Some even going as far as describing it as a masterpiece. And uh, a reviewer called Arthritis Dog, (laughs) who mused that it explored the true purpose of man, which is to have a secret hideout that your wife doesn't know about. Um, (laughs) Yeah, very low on the criticals. So, yeah, I think that's probably where it qualifies. Interesting stuff. That's Yeah, because nothing that either of you have just said in the last 10 minutes seems to add up to what the movie I saw yeah. <laughs> at all, you know, and what I feel about nope, that movie not. that yeah. I just saw. So I'm, I'm most fascinated about your take on it, Rob, because obviously you've only seen it yesterday for the yes. for the first time. Well, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it two or three times. And I think I've seen it two or three times with my wife, and she's been thoroughly unimpressed each time. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hideaway, isn't it? It's the secret yes. hideaway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, everyone's got one of a man cave, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> I just, you just get this recurring thing with sci-fi where when the films come out, they just fall so flat and then it's only after several years when people might find an appreciation for them. Do you think it's because this is actually a bit more cerebral than your standard sci-fi, I think? You know, there's a lot, 
there's quite um, a delicacy to it. Yeah. In its storytelling, you know, it doesn't it doesn't rush along. It it allows you to meander, and the characters themselves go back and to from certain places while they almost while they process things or to go and find something out so that you can go on a journey with them. You know, they they you very much for me what I was feeling like it was like a kind of complete antidote to Armageddon <laughs> for the most part apart from one bit which I'll talk about later yeah i think as well with where with this film is there is a lot going on mm. so you have to set up the world and what happened and why the earth was destroyed you have to set up this concept of tom cruise going around repairing things and sorting out these mischievous drones and then there's a woman in a box, and then there's like, are the aliens, are the humans? Then he's living in this sky penthouse with Andrea Riseborough, <laughs> and then there's aliens. There's a hell of a lot of stuff going on there is. in this movie, yeah. and I think it's just like, it's like, what? Sorry, what's this now? I can get, I sort of understand why people would think, right? So is is this about a post-apocalyptic world, or are we fighting an alien invasion now, or oh, we're doing all of it? Basically, we're doing yeah. about six different movies in two hours as well. It's a lot. It is, but I think it's so. It's it's very deftly handled. I think so. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think it looks amazing. It like, does. It's one of the best looking films I've ever ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I I, I can't see the joins. I, I just think it looks faultless. Yeah. Like that. The the sheen of it is gorgeous. You know, like if it wasn't the end of humanity, I'd want to live there. Yeah. <laughs> but it, you get that with sci-fi films as well. Like the amount of effort and detail that goes into the production design and the art departments are just, I bet they have the time of their lives just designing these things that don't exist and then just starting from scratch and just creating what's going on in their heads. And the results are just astounding. That little sky penthouse is just so crisp. The colour palette's all really bright as well and it's all quite pastely. And I I read that the... He was uh, Kaczynski intentionally wanted to make it all quite daylight because of the 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 you know preceding sci-fi movies are all quite dark and dingy and in the rain and things like that and he wanted to do the opposite of that where it's all quite bright and blue and orange and and it, it just looks amazing. Um, there's mm. that like you you find out early on that them these alien these so-called aliens that um, invaded and uh, supposedly invaded and destroyed everything um, and all humanity had gone off to Titan. They destroyed the moon and you just see it in the sky, don't you? Just this, the, the moon's just yeah. been like shot through by whatever it is. It's it, amazing, isn't just, it? Just, I don't know whether it's a matte painting or CGI or whatever, but it just looks amazing. Just that in the background. Yeah, and, and it's no surprise coming from the guy who directed Tron Legacy. He's, he's got a clear aesthetic vibe that is so far and away better than the majority of filmmakers, I'd say. You know, to, to have these two films on his CV and they just look both completely different. As his first two films. As his well. first two films. <laughs> no, they both look completely different but equally beautiful. And I just think it's a shame that um, that sort of really overlooked for a reviewer to then go, oh, that's worth half a star. Yeah, like, yeah, but all that production design, all that thought behind the, you know, the the look of it and the aesthetic of it, you can't say that's not good. Like, you don't have to like the story; that's fine. But you've got to appreciate that sort of craft, surely. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's shot by Claudio Miranda, who is uh, Joseph, because he's shot all of his 
movies. And he's an Oscar-winning uh, cinematographer, one for Life of Pi, I've shot uh, Top Gun Maverick as well. And it just looks impeccable, every mm. single frame of it. And I get, you know, some of the criticisms is like, oh, it looks a bit like it. But some of it's just snarky. It's like, oh, it's just like an Apple store, isn't it? And and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I sometimes think that some of the reviewers are just thinking about the snarky lines that they can get into a review rather than actually, no, this is a, right, perhaps the aesthetic isn't for you personally, but you're not the director. The director has chosen this aesthetic for this world that he has created. And it is all pretty much his creation because it's from a unproduced, um, unpublished, sorry, uh, graphic novel of Kaczynski's that he that got commissioned and then never actually went into... Uh, into print so it's basically a completely original sci-fi property Mm. you know the things that people are always crying out for and then there's loads of craft on display as well and yeah you can go well well it's derivative and blah 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 but a lot of films are derivative and they don't execute to this level Mm. yeah 100 i think that's the key to it like you can you know, there are a lot of films that riff on other films and rip those other films off but they just don't execute as well as this and i think you've got to give Kaczynski and his team credit when they do nail it in terms of the look of it and the sound of it as well. M83 did the score. Um, Daft Punk were probably too expensive by this point. After yeah, using yeah. Him for Tron Legacy. <laughs> so, you know, M83 and it's, it's great. The score's great. Just the, the same. Yeah, really, really good. You know, as beautiful as the the world around and all the tech of the world. It's just all great. I just get a lot out of that that's why sci-fi is my favourite genre, I think, because all this sort of design of things like that, I just, I'm just i absolute sucker for it. It just looks absolutely ace. Yeah. Whatever thing that um, complaint that you can have about the film, I think, it's all kind of redundant when it's this good, almost. It, it, it's just if the story works for you or not. Yeah. For me. Everything mm-hmm. else, you know, the delivery of the, of the sets, the props, everything is great. And the look of it is astonishing. It's just whether the story lands for you or not for me. But that's just my opinion. Absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah. Should we just uh, should we should we get into it? Yes. Let's. Um, we've got this brilliant. So we're introduced very quickly to the notion that um, Tom has got some memories, <laughs> and um, or are they dreams? He's got a, yeah. What are they? And they won't leave him alone. But he's on a planet, and he's a dude flying about in a rad spaceship thing. And I didn't know the planet was Earth for ages. <laughs> so I was like, look, that moon looks weirdly familiar, albeit shattered. <laughs> um, and it was, yeah, it, but like you say, like the, the stuff, you know, in effect is good when it's part, we're going to use a filmy phrase here, mise-en-scene. Mm. Mise-en-scene. Mise-en-scene. When it's just part of the world, it's part of the shot, it's part of the fabric of the filmic world that you're creating. Yeah. And so that great big blown up moon in the background there is just part of the world. It's just part of it. Yeah. You know, it's not, no sort of real special attention is drawn to it that I remember. It's just that you see it up there and it's like, whoa, flipping it. You know, mm. I love that kind of thing in movies. But yes, he's he's in a sort of um, a f- rather formal feeling partnership yes. with Andrea Riseborough's vicar. Yeah. Is it vicar? And... Um, they're like a married couple but they've got like a a shatteringly overwhelmingly important objective to achieve yes i think it's quite interesting this and i always think as well there's this big criticism with tom cruise and i do think there is some stock in this that he 
sometimes struggles for chemistry with his female co-stars. But I think it the, the fact that he's struggling to have chemistry with Andrea Riseborough in this one actually works in the story's, it does. It does. <laughs> in the story's yes. favour because it sort of plays into the fact because as there's so many reveals in this in this movie, it packs a lot into two hours. The fact that he's not a hundred percent sold on her kind of works in the and it feels more intentional than it does in in maybe uh, other films of his where he's not been able to uh, strike up a you know. Um, that sort of spark with a with a love interest, mm. but I always think he's quite good in the movies where his character is not that into the person that he's supposed to be in a relationship with. Like uh, Jerry Maguire is my favorite Tom Cruise movie, and I, that movie works because he's a superficial guy who knows that Rennie Zellweger's character is good for him, and he loves her son, but he's not really into her. But he knows that it's that being in a relationship with her will will lead to a happier life for him, but his own superficiality won't allow him to do that. And that's why I love that film so much. Everyone thinks it's like this big, grand, passionate, uh, romantic (laughs) movie. And it's not really. It's more about the reality of someone that you... of something not necessarily matching the, um, the picture that you had in your head. And it's about his character learning. So I always think it's I, this is what this relationship with Vicar reminds me of, and it works very well in this particular context. Mm. It does work because this, like the first sort of third of the movie, it is very. There's this really uneasy atmosphere between the two of them, isn't there? And yeah, because you get that opening where it's like a, it's it's Earth, isn't it? And it's black and white, and you've got him seemingly in a relationship with Olga Kurilenko. Um, who plays Julia in one of his dreams? You buy that. You buy that. There's this uneasiness between the two of them, um, with him and Andrea Riseborough, and she plays it so well as well, doesn't she? Like, I remember watching this for the first time, and I was like, right, the, these aren't human. These people. What is? Yeah. Going? It's a bit weird. Like the way she is in it, and the way she is with him, and the way he is with her, and the fact that they're just on their own on Earth doing this sort of deadly important job but they've only left two people to do it and i think those who would have seen moon previously would have gone into it with some kind of because it it plays similar sort of story beats to moon as well you know where it ends up and 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 where the setup is as well that it's this sort of lonesome person doing this important job to well, Mooney's sort of farming energy, isn't he? And then in this one, it's... They're draining the seas, aren't they? Oh, yes, that's what they do. They're protecting yeah. the big machines that are draining the sea. Because, yeah, so it's energy as well. So Yeah. Clean the planet dry. There's just, yeah, there's just that, that constant cloak of uneasiness. And mm. cruise, cruise is good. I, 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 yeah. I'm glad people are now getting back on board with the cruise. Because there was, you know, a lot of negativity aimed his way for the, for the last sort of, over the last sort of, 15 20 years and 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 i i kind of think that's why this film didn't do too well is because it was in that period where people weren't that hot on tom cruise and yeah maybe that like... sort of influenced people's reviews on it because it was all the fashion to sort of give him a bit of a kick in yeah unless it's mm. mission impossible we're not interested basically is mm. uh was very much the vibe in the early 2000 and i think you know i understand that people being uncomfortable with with him as as a persona, but at some point you have to separate the the artist from person, and 
I, I don't really understand it, uh, to be honest. No. There's a lot of speculation about his personal life and, and whatnot, and I'm really just not interested in that aspect. Of... No, I think what what when he's on screen, and, you know, t- uh, this is me just totally not thinking about anything else, and, and truthfully, like you say, I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what he does. Um, you know, as long as he's not you know, killing people or whatever, Hurting I'm not bothered, Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But um, I, yeah. I, when he's on screen... I'm just reminded, especially you know, in this today and last night, I'm reminded this guy's an actual bona fide movie star. The last movie his star. His charisma. Yeah, this is it. And we're going to be sad when he's gone. I, I think he's great. I think he's absolutely great. He reminded me, his performance reminded me quite a bit of him in War of the Worlds. Yeah. Um, that sort of like discovery in a wilderness when things are going very, very wrong around you kind of. Tom Cruise mode, and it was. Um, I, I just think he's great in this. Really, really good in this. Um, and I think the material really suits him as well. But you know, he's an he's a movie star. He's an absolute movie star. Yeah. Um, I also like Riseborough. Um, yeah, I think, I think she's Andrew great Riseborough's in it. great in this. I think she's actually giving the best performance in the in the film out of everyone because yes, she's I got the trickiest part of as well. Yeah. yeah. She hated it though, didn't she? Yeah, it, not because of the process so much. Yeah. It was more she was hearing a lot of because she was relatively, you know, she's not a, she's not an A list star by any stretch. She was sort of on the up and up at the time, I think. And I think there was a lot of um, you got to remember this film comes out pre Me Too, and I think there was a lot of um, quite derogatory things that she was hearing about, you know, her appearance and things like that from that was being fed back to her or being whispered about on oh, right. mm. on set. That's what she said anyway. She said working with Cruz was was great. Yeah. Right, yeah. Because the only thing I know is she this shredding a duck quote. Yeah, yeah. In late 2016, she said um, about her worst job ever, it was either shredding duck in a Chinese restaurant or oblivion. Yeah. yeah. It's quite damning. And I yeah. think as well, the process of making such a large film as well perhaps didn't, speak to her sensibilities at the time. I don't think she's ever done anything of this scale yeah. again since. So, uh, but yeah, there was, a, I think she was, uh, there was a lot of sort of like, while she's trying to nail this role and, and act in this movie, talk about replacing her and people that they couldn't get and what she looked like. And that seems to have been the general feeling, which is, you know, not pleasant. Yeah, at well, all, I suppose, when you're trying to do a, a job in what must be a huge mm. career break for you, working with the biggest movie star on the planet. Mm. And I think, like, because I saw that as well, Rob, on IMDb's trivia page about her mm. hating it, and people would see that and just automatically assume it's something to do with Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise has a lot of involvement in the films he does. He's, you know, he's he's not just an actor, is he? He's he's kind of a, you know, he's a real creative input in the films and. No, as you say, James, I, I caught um, the read the interview she did with the AV Club about it, and they speak about Oblivion, and she just said I like, really enjoyed working with Tom Cruise. He was he was an amazing person to act along. He was very funny, and it was a brilliant experience for her. But as James said, it was the the studio side and the the pressure on her and how she looked as a as a woman in that role, and that was the thing she found uneasy, and possibly why she doesn't hasn't really done big blockbuster movies that many since um so yeah i i think i'll i think cruise gets a bit of a bad rep a lot of the time i think what he does in his private life is completely up to him a lot of it's speculation as well people just sort of judge him on things that aren't necessarily true it's always reminds me of the the richard gear one in the 80s where he put a gerbil up his bum (laughs) 
And then it's like people like, and I feel Cruz has got things like that whirling around him and no one knows if they're true or not. Yeah. And by all accounts, he's from a lot of people he's worked with, everyone, they all love working with him and he's great to work with. So I just, I do feel he, he does get a bit of a hard time. Yeah. I, I think it's good that now that's kind of, that is turning around. And I think it is because of the Macquarie Mission Impossible films that fully did a did a 180 on that opinion on Tom Cruise and everyone's now realizing what a good what an asset he is to to films yeah. and and cinema and and like you say he's doing it right now with Maverick absolutely you know he's literally smashing up the cinema as we speak um not like he's not in there 40 40 years he's literally the the movie star of our lifetimes you'll yeah. never yeah he was making starring in films when us lot were in nappies and what have you? It's just incredible that longevity. It amazing, yeah, uh, and you know his his career's been through a few different transitions as well. If you look at like the first twenty years of his career up until the mid two thousands, it was always about working with the best directors. That you you look at his who he's worked with: Scorsese, Spielberg, twice, PTA, PTA, mm. uh, Kubrick. <laughs> yes, yeah. the list just goes. On and on and on. And then after the War of the Worlds stuff, and you know, he seems to have then gone more back to, I want to control everything. But at the same time, he's working with Chris McQuarrie and Joseph Kaczynski, who are now established as two of the best blockbuster directors of the last 10 years. So even though he's sort of more in control of those projects than he was when he was you know, working with these great auteurs, he's producing these unbelievable filmmakers who are making, you know, sort of the biggest throwbacks to old school event cinema. Mm. Yeah. I've just had a quick look down his his um C V here. It's obscene, isn't yeah. it? The movies he's been in. It's absolutely obscene. Um cool. Um uh, well we, we the action follows Cruz. Um yes, Jack does, Harper, yeah. who is a drone repairman and he's out and about, constantly on little missions to fix up the drones that are well, stuff, the odd bit keeps going wrong with them because the scavs, yeah. these, um, what we assume is sort of an alien species, um, remnants of the invaders that are kicking about on the Earth's surface. Um, all this while, Vicar is in the in their crisp penthouse suite, dishing out instructions from, is it Sally, who's up in the tech? Yeah, yeah. And Cruz is sort of like slow discovery of bits and bobs of civilization. I always thought was really, really nice in this. Mm. Um, the you know the Empire State Building, the top of stuff you can see. I mean, I love seeing that that nod. It's very much like Planet of the Apes, isn't it, with the um, Statue of Liberty? You know, that nod to um, a time that we know so well yeah. that is now destroyed in the you know in the movie a bit like the underwater scenes in Waterworld as well that other great futuristic classic <laughs> <laughs> oblivion has a lot less dysentery though um and it's it's just bumbling along really nicely i, I just i really like I, I think um it's a really nice use of story beats and runtime and i just thought like this is a really nice runtime for a movie what is it 2 hours 4 minutes 2 hours spot on yeah yeah 2 hours just great just absolutely great. As long as a film should be, basically. Perfection, <laughs> so, in other words. Uh, during the first act, because I was like, I was watching this and, you know, I just I get swept up in the vistas and the, you know, the cinematography and the, the score from M83 is just really pulsating and propulsive. And <laughs> I look over to my wife who's watching it and she goes, score's making up for the fact that 
nothing's really happening. He's just pooping <laughs> around fixing things. <laughs> went, yeah, but look how cool he does on his little yeah. on his little bike. His he little loves a bike, motorbike. He? Yeah, Cruz loves a bike. Just riding around with no helmet on. But yeah, I just I'm the same. I just get lost in how vast everything is and and how expansive all the shots are in this like now desolate earth and it, it, I, I, I'm happy to just look at that for 20 minutes and nothing yeah, happened I, I love that I'm like yeah I'm, I'm ha- perfectly happy yeah. to just be you know you know just get enamored by all that stuff yeah um and, and things change hugely when there's a, a, a cruiser finds a beep 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 like their little trap has been set and um a, a ship comes down and it's uh the survivors on there, but why are the drones wiping out the survivors? Those drones are shit, aren't they? <laughs> Absolute shit, like faceless bastards just gunning everything <laughs> down. Like, uh, yes, and he finds that they're like attacking the survivors who are in like hypersleep, aren't they, or, or what have you? Yes, and then he sees in there one of them is a Bond girl from I think you'll agree, Rob, one of the superior Bond films, Quantum <laughs> Soul. <laughs> Actually, of of the last five, I think it's one of the better ones. Yeah. So, yeah. Not saying a great deal, though, is it? <laughs> Woo-wee! Um, anyway, uh, yes. And and there's something about, because she is the face we've been seeing in his dreams. Exactly, yeah. yeah so oh. that's why he saves her, isn't he? Because he's like, yeah. oh, I, I recognise you. And, and there's this lovely dynamic where he brings another girl home to where <laughs> his sort of... <laughs> yeah. Well, the wife is, um, and she, but she, you know, this is the thing, and we'll look at these themes later on because we we got to get there first, haven't we? But she, does she know? Does does uh, Vicar recognise who this person is? Because uh, because obviously things will be revealed. Yeah, spoiler alert. Obviously, everyone go watch it. Should have probably should have mentioned that a bit ago, but go yeah. watch the movie. Amazon Prime, four K. Yeah, Sw- swill on it, and you will swill, and. Um, this, this sort of she doesn't want her there, and the, the Sally keeps saying, "Bring her up, you know, bring her up," because this is going to expose some secrets if uh, she wakes up and starts remembering things properly. And she jolly does, yeah. And she needs to go back and get the black box, yeah, because they establish she's from a craft from before the war, isn't it? So yeah. Jack's yes. like, "Oh, she's the answer to what yeah had ha- has happened to because it." They've only just been told what happened, which is the same as us. We were told by the Tet woman, yeah, um, and Vicar what's happened. So, yeah, they try and find a black box, don't they, in the from her ship, from her down ship. Yes, they do, um, and it's all high tensile stuff. What happens next? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> well, the thing is, we sort of find out, you know, throughout the first act, it's established that. Uh, Tom Cruise's Jack. He's quite curious about the world, isn't he? He has his own little man cave hideaway near a lake and and whatnot. And he's always picking up artifacts and hanging around in destroyed football stadiums and (laughs) what have you. Just having a lovely old time getting out out and about in the desolate earth. (laughs) And the thing is, what you have is he doesn't know whether these dreams are dreams or memories. And she seems to recognise him. And then this is the point where he uh, runs into Morgan Freeman, isn't mm. it? And he finds that the scabs are actually yeah. humans. Spoilers. Yeah. And Morgan Freeman's basically Morpheus and just yes, tells Jack the truth of the real world that the drones are actually programmed to kill humans and that's why it was trying to kill the humans in stasis. 
and it turns Jack's world upside down because it's just everything that he knows the Earth to be is completely not true, and it's the opposite that the scavs are actually the humans trying to save the Earth and get the Earth back from what is. Um... Do we find that out now, or is that later when we find out that they're in it's an AI? Yeah. You're told this now, aren't you? Really, that that they came. Um, so the Tet appeared in the sky. This big tetrahedron is that what it yes. is? Yes. Yeah. It's hard to talk about this without just going for it. So we're just gonna have to. Go yeah, we are. It. Yeah, yeah. Go on. They intercepted Cruz and Vicar and Julia's mission. Yeah. To go up and find out what was going on. All the other crew, apart from Cruz and Vicar, were dispatched off. They were jettisoned off into space. Yeah. Into space, while Cruz and Vicar got sucked into the big Tet. Yeah. And they were used primarily to wipe out the human race. Is that right? Yeah, they were cloned, <laughs> weren't they? Yeah. They, yeah. Um, and then and and then populate those. So those two same people populate everything because then so they've left to populate and run this planet. These clones, yeah. of Cruz and Vicar, and the so-called radiation zones that they're not allowed to go into because you know nobody could survive there. And then through some confluence of this is later. Right, we'll get to that in a minute. Right. So anyway, Tom Cruise is like, this is bullshit, and Julia's my wife, and blah, 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 and we're, we're being lied to by Sally up in the tet. We're, let's go and get Vicar, and we're going to get the hell out of here. And Vicar is not happy. She's like, oh, it's always been her, hasn't it? Which suggests that perhaps, yeah. is that some sort of deep-seated relationship tension from back when they were all astronauts well, together. It seems that, because we get a flashback scene, yeah. don't we? And she she was in love with Jack, wasn't she? And um, But he yeah. had a wife already. But they were the they were the captains, weren't they? So, yeah, like, yeah. he was the captain, obviously, because he's Tom Cruise. Um, <laughs> she was his second in command. Like, And, yeah, they were the ones who were captured by the Tet. I hope people have seen this movie, otherwise we're just talking absolute rubbish. Well, cause, <laughs> yeah, because there are a number of reveals, aren't there? And then you're like, hey, wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. Hey, so they go up here? to get Vicar, don't she? And she reports back to um, to the Tet that uh, she's having a problem with her technician and that they are no longer an effective team. And then mm. a drone that's been hiding in their basement basically just detaches itself and murders Vicar, and then we're off to... <laughs> now, this is the midpoint of the film, and we're off now, and this then becomes very much like Tom Cruise and the resistance down on the ground versus the yeah. the drones and the bastards in the mm. sky. It's a big switch, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? The ha- the halfway point. That's right, yeah. And and, and they've got this plan, um, these ground-dwelling people. Um, oh, the humans, sorry. The actual human race. Um, led by M- Morgan Freeman. Um, brilliant name, Mountain Beach. What name that is. is that his character name? I didn't guess I think that, so, so, yeah. Unbelievably cosy. Let me make sure I've got that right. And Jamie Lannister's in it as well. He's like the, the, the sort of badass of the humans. He's very, very hard. He is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and they, they have this, yeah, they've got this sort of like sweaty underground... Sweat Lodge. It's very, <laughs> um, it's very like the resistance and demolition, demolition man who live in the man, sewers yeah. and eat rat yes. burgers. I mean, I don't know what these humans are surviving <laughs> on at all. There is literally no life left on this planet. No, I, I know, I know. And they've got this lovely, um, lovely little library going on down there. It also reminded me of the streets in the Dino World in Super Mario Brothers the movie. <laughs> exactly what Joseph Kaczynski was going for. To watch that, yeah. <laughs> Have you guys, you guys seen Super Mario, Super Brothers? Mario Brothers? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this sort of reveal, you know, where it is like, oh, the Earth is not what you thought it was, 
it's been done so many times before. It but has, yeah. I, I still think it, it's great all the same. I still think the yeah. way it's done and the way it's delivered and the way Cruz sells it as well. Yes. is And Andrea Riseborough as well is just... Yeah. It works. And if it works, okay, it might have come from other stuff, but it's it's good. It, it, I think yeah, what I really the, liked it. I think what this movie does is basically it goes... Uh, Right, so we're just going to pinch for everything and we're going to have every sci-fi reveal <laughs> that anybody's ever seen. And if we have enough of them, then it'll feel more original than it perhaps is. Because anyway, after the after they murder um, Andrea Riseborough, they get back in his little uh, bubble plane or whatever it's called. He's being chased by three drones and he gets shot down into one of these restricted areas that he's not supposed to go into. And what does he find there? Another Tom Cruise going around fixing... So there's two of the bastards. And then his, his Mrs. Julia, she gets shot as well in there. So then he has to fly back to his penthouse and beat up the beat up the other Tom Cruise, fly to his penthouse. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of flight going back and forth and whatnot. But yeah. I just think all the, the fight sequences, the action sequences, are just handled so well. They're so pristine, the way that they're cut together, the way they're shot. There's a great sense of... Geography within the sequences, um, good stunt work as you'd expect in any sort of Tom Cruise movie. He's doing most of the action. There's nothing like Mission Impossible level in this that that he's doing that you haven't seen him do before. But he's always just so present in the frame. Mm. You know, whenever whether it's dog fighting in the sky or fighting himself on the on the ground, he's always there. You never feel like there's a stunt double st- stepping yeah. in and doing anything mm. for him. Very, very true. With yeah. it being all practical, it's just a, an extra level of believability, isn't it? And it is, know. yeah. And Absolutely. it's a great reveal, isn't it? When you, because you don't see that it's a clone of Cruz until his reaction is the first, and then yeah. the camera sweeps around, and it's them both pulling guns on each other, and then you see it's another Tom Cruise. That shot's great, and the way that's all revealed, it is, yeah. and it's so seamless how it's done. Um, you know, a lovely bit of camera trickery and sort of working post to make it just look so seamless. Yeah, it's it's bloody good. Shut up, everyone. It's good. I mean, you compare is. this to the to what most blockbusters look like these days, and you know, I'm not just even calling out Marvel. You know, they have their own look, but even like something like Fast and Furious or the. Oh, they they all look the same and they don't feel real. And this is, you know, this is has again a practicality to it, even though it's filled with effect shots. Mm. As you say, real sets and a real actor in the center of the frame doing the action. It just it just makes all the difference. For me. It changes everything, yeah. And this was the film that um, sort of their sort of set designers invented this projection sort of background technique. Yeah. Where I think it's mainly used in the in the sort of sky towers, yeah. And rather than having it be a green screen and blue screen, it's just it's just all projection. It's all big screens with rear mm. projection of things that have of um. They shot it in Iceland, didn't they? Loads of landscapes and sunrises yeah. and stuff in Iceland, and yeah. then put that on the screen so they it looked like they were actually there. And and that's now primarily what they you that's where the technology is going the mandalorian does it on that's yeah. how they shoot stuff and and they light the sets with it as well don't they with the light coming off the screens yeah and that's kind of now influenced the next phase of of green screen where it's all sort of live tracked real backgrounds just on screens and it's all tracked to the camera and 
rather than keying it afterwards. It's all done in real time. That alone is enough to give this film a lot of credit and Kaczynski a lot of credit and his production crew a lot of credit that they invented this technique which is now being used across the industry for big budget movies. Mm, absolutely. And it really works. You know, you can really see the effort that's gone in here. Um, the 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 goodies, I think we can call them now. Oh yeah, they're definitely the goodies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they've got um, they've got a drone and they want to load it up with nukes <laughs> and power cells. They're basically doing Independence Day. This is what they've got. It's an Independence Day yes. plan. Yes, and they're going to send the drone home, and they need Jack Harper to do yeah. it for them. Jack, they let Jack go on his little voyage of discovery first, so that he knows that yeah, this is the right the truth. Yeah. Very, very trusting of Mountain Beach yeah. to let this happen. They also give him a night off so he can impregnate his wife as well, which is... Uh... <laughs> oh, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, clothes, get, the clothes get given working bollocks. Apparently. Yes. Well, yes. I've got so many head-scratching questions about this, but we'll, we'll get there. But the, the drones come to the sweat lodge. Not the, that sounds like Cruz's place, sorry. No, they go to the, the Super Mario streets and blow everybody up. And they almost blow up Morgan Freeman as well because it looks like he's going to die. Yeah. And there's one chance and it's if, because, because the Tet had said, if you bring Julia in, yeah. in a little like coffin thing, you can, you know, bring her in and we'll let you in and we'll debrief you, i.e. Hmm. Pew, pew. Yeah. We'll tick you out the game. So, um. They agree that they're going to do a Bruce Willis in Armageddon and they're going to go up there and detonate the big bomber right in the middle of the the tet. And they get there. Yep. Mm. And you're thinking, what a heroic sacrifice. It's incredible. And the tet lets them in. Some very sweaty moments where the drones are lurking around yeah. Cruz and he's got to prove that he's here for... You know, yeah. for it's very independent day, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, and and they, uh, they get there... Um, and land, and then cruises. Cruises in absolute heaven with these lines and these moments, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Dragging out the, the big coffin thing, and the fact that there's millions of Tom Cruises surrounded by yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> and Andrea Riseboroughs as well. And then he opens up the, you know, because they've stashed the the bomb, and then like the Undertaker in a <laughs> casket match. <laughs> Morgan Freeman comes out. Yes. Oh my god! Oh my god, Jay, I'm not dead! He's not dead! <laughs> Some serious whooped bottom is opened upon these alien people. The nukes go off. Oh yeah, incredible. Uh, rare, uh, these days anyway, rare Tom Cruise F-bomb. in uh... mm. Right. Can, can I just b- right, bring about the F-bomb? Is this the bit you didn't like? I hated this. I hated that line so much. <laughs> I couldn't stand it because this. I thought the movie had been so elegant to this point in its world building, but also in the world building of its characters. Uh, my own family have made comments about the amount of bad language in my books, but it's part of the world that the bad, you know, the bad language is part of that world. Cruz has barely said bitch in this. <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly he's dropping this F bomb. Yeah, but he's on his way out, to be fair. I know, but it's just. I, I hated it, and it was just—it was literally a line lifted from Armageddon. Here we go, full circle. I would imagine that move, that Harry doing that, you know, like "f you, Sally" or "Dotty" or whatever they'd named it in that, in that <laughs> one. That one, "f you, Dotty." Not like that. This, and it, 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 
I'm, I'm over it. Don't worry. It doesn't sound like I'm over it, but <laughs> it, it really, it, honestly, it really cheapened it for me, actually. Just because you're allowed to have an F word in a, in a 12A or PG-13 doesn't mean, you know, you should have it. Like Ian Malcolm said, you know, you're too preoccupied with whether you're thinking you could, not whether you should. Mm. I liked <laughs> it. I thought it was good. Good. No, yes, great. I'm glad. I'm glad. I was appalled. <laughs> Just because he's at the end of his tether with this alien woman who's overtaken this nice lady that he knew from Mission Control back in the day. Also, he's probably pretty cheesed off that Morgan Freeman told him that they basically cloned him, this world-famous astronaut, mm-hmm. and he'd come down, hundreds of thousands of them, and just started mowing down. <laughs> Murdering <laughs> everyone, yeah. yeah but it's not Sally's fault, is it? S- Sally didn't do it. Sally's an entity, put, uh, his old boss from Earth. Maybe he didn't like her. Maybe they had some... Uh... <laughs> Some friction. I could, I, it was like one of those, like, ah, oh, written now. And I rarely do that in a film. Rarely. <laughs> I'll go along with it. I've been watching Bigfoot. <laughs> Bigfoot's been shape shifting the last few weeks. I'll go along with anything. Um, but anyway, that's, that is, is a truly a minor quibble. It is really a minor quibble. And then you're like, oh, my word, another rarity here. Tom Cruise dies in the movie. He sacrifices himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a beautiful explosion, mm. isn't it? And the yeah, music really is good, yeah. as it's going on. It, oh, the music is so good. Music. The yeah. music is awesome. It's so good. It's really good, isn't it? Um, and then we have a little wee little coda. Yeah. Where it's quite revelatory. There's nothing wee about it, really. It's <laughs> uh, a wee where, child. Um, <laughs> yeah, Julia's um, had a baby. And, um, but the baby is there. It's like four it's or five years now. later, isn't it? Yeah, why, yeah, yeah. Why have I picked three? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, maybe three. But, yeah. um, and they're at the little um, the lodge that Cruiser had built. And um, then, uh, what's his name? Jamie Lannister shows up. Yeah. And he's got he's got other people with him. And Uma Thurman's stunt double from Kill Bill as well. Mm, that's right, <laughs> yeah. 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 And then, who else shows up? <gasps> Clean Cruise. Clean Tom Cruise. Can, right. Can anyone explain? Yeah, it's the thing? one that he... It's t- the it's one that the... he had a fight with in the, um, in the desert um, at the other... When he was in the radiation zone. Because he had the same number. He was, was he 42 or something? No. Yeah, yeah. He was 39, yeah. the main one we had. So he, the one he had a fight with, they ba- the scavengers basically found him. And then did the same thing and explained to him and let him have his same moment of clarity and realization of who he was. Yeah. And then over those four years, they were trying to find where Julia's hideout was because this was the cruise's hideout we knew, not not the other one. So they he didn't know that existed. Yeah, because he's from a different sector of the it's map. So yeah. weird. So does it ma- does it not matter to to Julia that this is a different? He's not cruise. different though. He's a clone. He's exactly the same. Yeah. So he is. The, because the clone was made from Julia's husband, the original astronaut, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So to her, yeah. he would be this. He, I mean, she, I mean, he's he's still a clone, but so was the last one, wasn't he? I suppose he was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you so much for explaining to me, because then I, I I was like, eh. Yeah. You know, I was properly like Manuel in Faulty Towers. Eh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the idea eh? being that you know when they have that scrap in the sand, that 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 cruise who's defeated and tied up and whatnot. He will have once he gets freed. He'll have the same curiosity as the other clone crews, and he'll have Aye. to go out and find the truth mm. himself. And it just takes him a few years to find her, and then it's like, oh my god, I've got a family in a crisp little. I love that little <laughs> cabin, roof, roofless <laughs> cottage. 
know, yeah. It's such a like um you know, it's a real respite from all the like desert stuff which most yeah, of the yeah, film is made of. There, so when it? when you go to that so cabin and it's out. like beautiful and he's got like a record collection and all like, you know, stuff from the the modern time is great. He throws on an old shirt over his like Buzz Lightyear jumpers, <laughs> yeah. like because it isn't it isn't it made out to be more in the future than it actually is? Like isn't yeah, it's it... like sixty years after. So um, so yeah, when you see them up on the um in the spaceship going to investigate the tech, you know when it's Tom Cruise and yeah. Andrea Riseborough as their actual selves and Julia in hypersleep in the back. I think that's supposed to be like 2017. Right. So right. then it's like 60 years on because that's why Julia hasn't aged because she's just been going through hypersleep for that whole 60 mm. years. It's very, again, it's just Ripley in, at the start of Aliens. Is, yeah, yeah, Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can literally pick every single reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. Um. So it's finished. What, what are your best bits then, fellas? I've got to say, I, I really think that the most effective scene in the movie is when Cruz realises that Julia is his wife and they go back up to the penthouse to try and grab Vicar and tell her that, you know, there's something rotten in the state of Denmark and she's not having it at all. And basically when she just goes, uh, Sally asks her, are you still an effective team? And she just goes back and she's like got tears streaming down her face and the music's like swelling up really beautifully underneath and it's just so good. And he's like, and he's pleading with her not to do this because he knows it's going to be bad. And she's like, we are not an effective team. And then that drone comes up and vaporizes her. And then there's a whole dogfight with the unbelievable aerial chase through lightning and whatnot. It's just an incredible sequence. It's about 10 minutes long and it's just absolutely brilliant. And it sets up the second half of the film brilliantly and it's just Andrea Riseborough so good in that scene and yeah loved it thought that was absolutely brilliant also we've started using are we an effective team as part of uh, <laughs> part of parlance within our house which is it's all right actually nice I, I totally agree with everything you've just said loved it Sai what about you um there's a there's um there's two bits there's the the bit in the library where um Jack goes into the into the old library and he's like hanging from a rope and it's like the, the there's not that much major stunt work from Cruz in this but just like just like he's on a rope and then it just snap the rope snaps and then it's just the shot of Cruz himself being a maniac and falling from like 20 <laughs> feet into a table um and the shot's great oh, I just put him through a table yeah <laughs> it's like oh my rock god um, and I broke him in half that whole library sequence is great. And then um, there's a bit where they're in a jet and it gets shot out of the sky and it's got that, similar to Top Gun Maverick really, where the cameras are sort of mounted in the cockpit of the, and it's just spinning around like properly and they're just like floating in the in the capsule. Um, Jack and Julia are in the, inside the cockpit and they're just like falling with it and it's all like feels so real that it's actually happening that they're, actually plunging um <laughs> from a great height in this in free fall in this uh in this jet i just love that shot i think yeah really really great shot um and just the overall look of it it's just it's beautiful pristine isn't it yeah i was going to that same bit um i was going to narrow it right down side though you know when they're tumbling um the bit that really dragged me in and made me know wow they're really doing something real here was the seatbelt flaps were yeah, going up yeah. and down 
bearing on going on which bit and it was that small attention to detail do you remember in broken arrow that little satellite dish that yeah got yeah blowied by a stray bullet those little small attentions to detail that really make the world of the movie sing yeah and it's for, it's for me it's those seatbelt straps that's my favorite bit of the movie those seatbelt straps yeah plus you know that tom cruise is like he's not a producer on this movie but he wields enough power He's like, no, we've got to build a rig to do this properly and we've got to do it as practically as possible. I don't do bullshit CGI stuff. I'm Put me in a rig and drop me, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you up for this, Olga? Well, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom's doing it. You've, you've got to do it with him. The shot demands it. Um, uh, yeah, so Oblivion. Uh, FYR, James, you'll go last because it was your pick, as always. Sai, what are you saying? Yeah, I, I think this movie is just another prime example of what this podcast is all about. While it was both like critically and commercially underwhelming on release with like loads of shrugged shoulders and everyone being really off in it, I just don't think this film deserves that reception whatsoever. It's got all the hallmarks of a wonderful classic sci-fi movie, you know, with exquisite VFX and amazing practical production design work. And I found a really layered story that's that was constructed and delivered really well even though it might have been pulled from various other sources um the action scenes do kind of feel like a bit of a rehash of tron legacy particularly the sort of <laughs> dogfight bit it's like that but reskinned but yeah minor minor sort of quibbles i just i really rate this movie really loved it when i first saw it and all the subsequent times i've seen it more so this time as well, because I, I knew I was going to chat to you two about it afterwards. I think like most science fiction films, this is probably one of those perhaps best enjoyed a few years later after release, when it's allowed to exist on its own terms without this apparent influence of external opinion unrelated to the film itself, which looking back at the scenes, that must be what, what was going on back then to be having such drastically negative reviews. And yeah, it's, so watch it this many years later and take it for what it is on its own terms. And I think it's great. absolutely love it. Awesome. I'm going to completely echo that. I, I cannot understand for the life of me looking at this and having enjoyed that film last night, why this isn't an absolutely massive, fondly talked about blockbuster. I don't understand. Um, it's just faultlessly executed. It really is. Um, I feel like I say this quite a bit on the podcast Everything works just splendidly. It's just a great, great piece of filmmaking. Effects-wise, it is seamless. I really like the story. I like to be challenged. This took me places I wasn't expecting at all. I do like to be surprised when I'm um, inhaling a story. <laughs> I do like to be surprised. And this did that. Um, but it did it in really original, fresh, interesting ways. But, f I mean, fresh, obviously, we know there's a lot of um, source material that's paid homage to but fresh in the sense also that i wasn't expecting you know the villain of this movie when we said we were going to do it to be a great big like dice from dungeons and dragons <laughs> in the sky i didn't know it was going to be like that so it i really really liked it really 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 liked it um cruise is a brilliant dependable and really watchable charismatic movie star in stuff like this and i think it plays to his strengths wonderfully as well um, and we, yeah, I said it earlier, I think we'll be sad when this guy's no longer about making movies in the way that he does, um, because there's few like him left. Mm. 
full marks. So yeah, do reconsider it. Um, James, what about you? Yeah, just to echo what you guys have said, we've sort of touched on, it is quite derivative and we've been able to pick out all the various references and there's probably even more if we were to go through it scene by scene. But I honestly don't think it matters that much. This is a massive budgeted star-led would-be franchise starter that takes a massive swing for the fences and I dig that about it it's so well made and pacey that it almost doesn't matter that it doesn't bring anything especially new to the table it's gorgeous to look at the score is magnificent and the action sequences uh, are handled with aplomb for me, Kaczynski and Cruz are very much an effective team. <laughs> oh, oh, I like nice. that. Yes, I like that. Good. Well very done. Good. The Super Dupes, that's right. It's a trio of double thumbs up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Excellent stuff. Um, so, folks, go check out Oblivion right now. It's on Amazon Prime as we speak. It's definitely worth doing it. And, and find your biggest telly as well. Do it on that. Yeah. You, you really won't regret Crank it. Crank that score up, mate. It's spot Ooh, on. Yeah, sheesh. Um, super. So, um, fellas, who is next? Sai, it's you, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's me. Yeah. Um, oh, God. <laughs> Where are we going? What are we doing? All right. I've been racking my brains um, all day trying to find a film to do next. Um, but it's been a while since we've done a comedy. And the last film I chose was Neon Demon, so let's go something completely opposite. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Will Forte's Saturday Night Live character turned big screen sleuth, uh, MacGruber from 2010. <laughs> I do think it's a rent. I do think it's a rental, um, sadly, but hopefully it'll be worth it. It's a punt, but uh, hopefully it's good. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Never seen. Looking forward to it. Yeah, never seen it. Really looking forward to it. Although I absolutely loved MacGyver when yeah, I was Yeah, it's uh, directed by um, Joma, Joma from uh, The Lonely Island. So one yeah. of oh, the mates. So you can kind of get a vibe for the sort of humour it's going to... Oh, I'm very excited. Very excited. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to make the art for that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Well, thank you so much, fellas. It's been great to see you as always. Tune in next time, folks, for MacGruber. Really exciting. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, please give us five stars on your subscription service of choice. Chat us up on the Twitters. Uh, we'll see you out there. Have fun. Be good to each other. Stay safe and see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Got to sounding like one of Tom Cruise's records then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very extensive collection. Is he just a thief? Oh yes, <laughs> just robbing stuff everywhere. So is he a scab? He, he is, is a scab. Yeah. He's the only scab in the scab. movie. Much like the screenwriters of this movie, they just pick bits <laughs> that they like and take it for their own. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the insight other podcasts just can't give. Yeah. I wish I'd put that in the bit that people actually listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Do people turn off before this bit? I don't know. Hopefully. I think we lost them at uh, Operation Big Four. <laughs> <laughs>